you got to pick and choose which party you're going to party at mm-hmm. and when <laughs> and how hard and how hard <laughs> if i'm using the word party these days it usually i'm talking about dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. so that's like <laughs> that's my yeah. how is that how's that different than other days <laughs> i <laughs> what i want to know i want to embrace what you just said kelly sue and hold it to my heart good i feel like you see me i feel seen. i do i feel seen good you are <laughs> She said aggressively. You're aggressively seen. <laughs> Everybody here is seen by me. <laughs> um, all right. I just want to start. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to sound like a threat. <laughs> Welcome to that episode was We Are Popsicle. In this episode, we'll be offering opinions and reactions to the Sandman, what so many of us have waited so long for, season one, episode one, Sleep of the Just, based on the issue of the same name, of course, in which we meet Dream of the Endless as he becomes captive of one little punk bitch, Roderick (laughs) Burgess. The series was developed by Neil Gaiman, David Goyer, and Alan Heinberg, who is also the showrunner. This episode was written by Neil David Allen with staff writers Vanessa Benton, Catherine Smythe McMullen. It was directed by Mike Barker. Thanks, Mike. I am joined as always by my amazing co-host. <laughs> oh man, we've been talking about Sandman for quite a while. So man, am I excited to chop it up with all of y'all today. Uh, I am as always Kelly Sue Milano here with me today are those co-hosts. We'll begin with Justin Peniston, who read Sandman before all of us. What, what? Get that out of the way right away. Yep. <laughs> We're just gonna lay that down now. <laughs> you took away his thunder, maybe. Impossible. <laughs> my thunder feels quite, I can feel my thunder in my pocket right now. <laughs> no! Whoa! Wait a minute! Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. I like where we're starting here. Yes. Love it. This is a good spot. It's a good spot. Good yeah. St- yeah, but still moving right along. Clear. Clear thorn. I have to follow the thunder. I don't think I can do that anyway. Yeah. Everyone Claire. wants to follow the thunder. <sighs> That's right. Hello. I'm Hi. here. Welcome, Claire. Yes. Um. Hopefully today's conversation will distract you from the fact that you have a son who's almost in college. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you for bringing my nightmares in just wow. right up to the front. Kelly my trauma, Sue taking it to the hole at the very, very right. top How? of the show. How Corinthian of you. How Corinthian of you, Kelly Sue. Thank you. Yeah. Um, in my defense, he was talking about it before we started recording. <laughs> this is true. I was, I was, I was asking for comfort. I needed yeah. a sentimental man or woman to pump me up. Because well, now that you have been down. pumped up, 
thoroughly by me. Yay. <laughs> we can introduce my darling associate, Lisa K. Weber. What's up, Lisa? Hi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she put on her dreaming voice. I should. Yeah. I like it's that. Recovering from the weekend voice as well. <laughs> For reals. And finally, our fearless producer, the outliner of scripts, wearer of t shirts. Uh -huh. It is, of course, Philip Kelly. <clears throat> It's a Who's heavy... resting his head, elbow akimbo. <laughs> coffee in hand. Tea. It's coffee. Totally Latte. natural. I, totally I natural. Make, I make my own lattes at home, thank you. He's got a bit of a wow. Jeff Goldblum pose and, going. And, like... and most of my producing happens to be copy and pasting, so from old school. Well, isn't that the so, truth of all producers? Yeah. I well, think yeah. so. <laughs> We're on to you. I think We're so. on to you guys. Thank God you're doing it because none of us are able to do it exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay boy. well said all right mm -hmm. we are gonna dive right in i love this is i think the second time that i've been the first to host a new stretch and it's always awesome because the first dive in there's just so much to talk about so this first episode is a pretty faithful adaptation of the first issue the exception of a few changes that nicely set up the way the rest of the series unfolds, in my opinion, in comparison to the comics. Um, it really felt like reading the comic to me, which was amazing, um, even though I'm sure all of us, or maybe just me, have devoured <laughs> the entire series almost. <laughs> um, there was a lot of pressure on this first episode um, to be exciting for everybody who loves Sandman, but also the folks needing this material for the very first time. So. I want to know what everybody's thoughts were just generally about this first episode, everything in it, the way that they're pacing it. Let's hear it. What Who wants to start? A Lisa. Roller coaster. <laughs> I'll just say that because I was like, because like you're saying, it's so many feelings. We've like, it's been so long in the making. So long. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, I mean, it's, it's my favorite comic series. It's the reason I became a comic artist. Like, so it's, it's a big deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I, I tried so hard to leave behind like any expectations mm -hmm. because, you know, it's, I don't want to get it. I didn't want to get into a place where I was like, well, in the comic, it's like this and this and totally. this and really just take this interpretation <laughs> as like what it is. Like Justin, perhaps? <laughs> oh. no, and it's like, Justin listen, doesn't do that gonna, at all. It's going to be impossible to not constantly be like, yeah, to like think that I know what's going to happen and then see how it actually like absolutely its own interpretation mm -hmm. um but by the end of the first episode I was like I was like this is tonally different not totally mm. but tonally different yes yes um from the comics and um I I overall loved it there were like a couple things I missed that I wish mm. I could have seen 
But mm-hmm. for the most part, I loved what it did. And I loved the additions that it made. Like Absolutely. the whole bit with Jessamy oh. was like, oh. spot on. I loved mm-hmm. it so much. Yeah. And it was yes. such the perfect thing to add in mm-hmm. this kind of an iteration where we're trying to appeal to more people. So like, let's yeah. go in with like emotion Mm-hmm. instead of just getting too wound up in like the heady philosophy of everything yeah totally well and think um, about how that yeah. affects our introduction to matthew later on yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's not just this comical you know character voiced by you know what's none his other than Pat oswald Pat oswald right like that would just seem like a gimmick but mm-hmm. now it's not going to because we know the importance the weight yeah. Yeah, hundred and ten percent agree. Yeah, um, and Tom Sturridge, come on, come on. Like, no matter come what on. anyone else, like no matter what else anyone has to say about anything, he is yes perfect. Like yes, I've saved an entire discussion point for us. Oh, to okay. Talk I'll purely leave off about then. the cast. <laughs> no, I'm off. saying save it because mm-hmm. I. I and I'll obviously we'll move on to it in a minute, but I was just like yeah. so much of, I think what m- has made this, this massive success that it is, is the fact that they just fucking nailed it <laughs> with Tom Sturridge, because here's the thing. Like if we think back to, you know, the, even the audio drama, James McAvoy voiced mm-hmm. Morpheus mm-hmm. slash dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and his performance was so, um, effective but it was very kind of like dramatic you know which it has to be it's an audio drama right well I mean and are we saying that dream is anything other than dramatic (laughs) oh my god he's so dramatic no we know this we know that dream is a little bitch right exactly but what I love is that Tom Sturge brings that energy but it's very measured Mm. There's not a lot of, I mean, just all he's doing at one point is sitting in the, you know, in the glass cage, right? And he's not doing anything, but I was just like, okay. Yeah, it's really just like, you know, he moves his eyes and it's like, oh, the drama. The drama. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, And when I was thinking of, you know, the way that they, like I imagine Neil Gaiman sitting down and all of the writers together trying to figure out how they're going to do this massive thing that he's been trying to do. I mean, they've been trying to make even a film adaptation since like the 90s, right? and how Neil Gaiman has spoken in the past about how he'll, you know, he's gone back to revisit the Sandman and he's like, yeah, there's a lot of things that I would have done differently if I was, you know, knowing what I know now. So there's so much of watching the show that I'm like, oh, were these tweaks that he wanted to make? That's fascinating because I was thinking, I was like, you know, he wrote this, he wrote the comic as a young man. Yeah. And it's this like- is one of his first- things right like yes. yeah. yeah black, he was 26 black orchid was before this the only thing I which think. i think yeah which i think is yeah. yeah like totally interesting because usually you get to you follow an art uh, an author's progression you know from young to like older but the way we've experienced neil gaiman at least on the screen has been mm-hmm. from his later works now back to right early yeah. stuff mm-hmm. yeah 
but Phil, he said he said in oh, oh I'm sorry I was just gonna say he said the Gaiman has said in response to like people talking about all of the changes that we knew about even just with the casting early on the gender flipping and and mm-hmm. different things going on um that he he those are all things he has purposely wanted to do if he were as if he were writing it today if he were writing this fresh today these are things he would purposefully mm-hmm. do and that's yeah. I, that feels important like yeah he's recognizing problematic areas and the way the world yeah. has changed and mm-hmm. which just I'll throw out there I am very happy through the whole first episode I'm like where like I'm trying to like put the timeline together I'm like okay he was captured in <laughs> like when they said he was captured and I'm like when are we where are we gonna land oh, yeah yeah um, I, I, I had the same I had to let I had to let it go yeah, same. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then the, when I realized it was going to be present day, I'm like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good with that. So cool. Know. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, who's going to dive in first? Philip is. I am. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I am. Of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Justin can say, uh, "Here's where all of you are wrong." <laughs> exactly. He's gearing up. <laughs> He's been gearing up this whole time. I can see it. I can see him warming up. Okay, Phil. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was, um, I would say, pleasantly surprised by seeing, because in the comic book we're introduced to Dream coming back from a great battle or something like that, and then he gets captured, coming back from this, you know, he's like coming back from this big mission or something. Not in the first issue. Not in in the first issue, but you find out that's what. Yeah, they they say later, but that's. But that's what. (laughs) I know, right? That's what they say. He's come. That's in the beginning. That's what they say. He's come back from before he gets captured. They say later, oh. but it happens before the beginning of the story. That element. Okay. okay. <laughs> I liked, I was pleasantly surprised by the fact that they started weaving in other characters to be those elements, like the Corinthian yeah. being the, the the reason, the thing that he's going to go do. Um, right. he, he's out, you know, away from his dreaming that allows him to, you know, a little weaker and get captured. And, uh, mm-hmm. You see that sort of serialized, TV element adaptation being brought into this almost right away, which is, um, you know, it's it's clever. It's good. I liked it. I, I like that we're getting to know these characters a little earlier to some degree. Um, Nobody's going to uh, pick that up. No one. What serialized? He's talking about the, the Corinthian, Corinthian serialized. Serialized. Oh yeah. my god! Just me? Yeah. All right, no, no, I, I got I got I'm it just, after I said it, it. Kelly Sue, that's like that. That would be very i don't know it would be presumptuous of me to take something like that from you <laughs> you know <laughs> that's actually uh, pretty fair <laughs> all right go ahead Phil. if, Sorry. if Kelly no, no, Sue had okay. a magical realm it would be called the punning yes uh, <laughs> i am pun of the endless <laughs> um big pun anyway so uh, sorry yeah no it's fine it is, it is okay uh um <laughs> Yeah, I like that it's a little more self-contained because obviously they can't deal with the whole DC universe either. So they've got to contain in a way mm-hmm. that he was allowed to be a little more free in the comic book and, you know, with elements that he could be. Because, uh, you know, at one point, what mm-hmm. was he like Batman at one point and in one of his like one of the issues and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So um, these, these are all smart choices uh, that I see them making that don't take away from the actual story uh, mm-hmm. and, what, and the experience of the story, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there is something to 
the comic books where you're kind of being introduced a little bit at a time into his world and this you're just kind of given everything right away like mm -hmm. <laughs> here's everything and I, I i don't know how like having i i don't know how i feel about that not having read the com if i hadn't read the comic mm -hmm. seeing that after having read the comic part of me misses the sort of slow introduction a little bit mm -hmm. that's sort of you know being you know here's some breadcrumbs into his world uh you know and feeling like the interloper into his world rather than but he's also the main character so i get it like we want to be on dream yeah. side right away <laughs> in a tv series and so seeing like visually seeing that yeah. is very much a television medium mm -hmm. kind of well, thing it would have been difficult visually to carry off a first episode where your main character is sitting i mean don't get me wrong i will watch dream sit naked in a glass <laughs> ball all day long all day long but narratively long. in the first episode you know with yeah. new people watching that's mm -hmm. a that's that's yeah. kind of a killer in terms of like you know totally. dynamic storytelling mm -hmm. and but, i do very much agree with you phil that i love that they have they position the Corinthian to sort of be the narrative, like big bad yeah, of the season. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because such a great bad guy. I mean, even in the, he, mm -hmm. the Corinthian is such a standout from the comics anyway. Like, I don't think anybody would ever forget <laughs> that imagery or anything about that character. So such mm -hmm. a fantastic choice mm -hmm. to bring him in so early in the story i totally agree yeah. i love that well and again i think it gives more narrative importance to the subject matter that surrounds the corinthian if i mean going back mm -hmm. to the whole serial <laughs> pun oh God. thing like it it feels like we're not just gonna land at that moment of the story where we meet you know serial yeah. killers and there's serial the serial killing thing going on totally um just kind of haphazardly and gratuitously it's right we get this character yeah. a lot more fleshed out totally um, such a good cinematic choice yeah in that in that way yeah all right well it's time is it time it's time. Wow. <laughs> Lisa, can I talk he's about been, it now? He's been baking yeah. this all weekend. All weekend long. Right. Um, so I gonna... half expect you to pull out a clipboard and be like. <laughs> um, Let me just take y'all to school right now. So in 1974. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Justin. I love you, love you too. Um, <laughs> I'm brought to the expanse in this discussion oh. in so far as, you know, a bunch of us watched the show and read the books mm -hmm. and yeah. how the show is telling the same story in a different way as the books, you know, and it right. makes different choices to suit the medium. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've watched the whole Sandman series now, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and this first episode to me felt like, despite welcome changes, it felt mm -hmm. like the one that was tripping up most on being like the comic. Sure. Um, you mean and... like tripping over itself, trying to be more yes, like the comic? Yes. Okay. Yes. This is the first, this is, this isn't really spoilery, but this is the only episode where I noticed 
oh, they're literally deliberately giving us a panel from the comic and the visuals here. Yeah. Right. You know, I appreciated the, <clears throat> I appreciated the one kind of obvious one, like when he mm -hmm. gets free and like yeah. goes into the portal in the light with his body stretched out. I really appreciated that. I like, really only that. saw two, that one mm -hmm. and the overhead shot of him laying in the summoning circle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, yes. And those were both fine. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, but they I, also not... established, like, when he's sitting in the chair, he's the cat, and then he's sitting in the chair when he's yes. talking. Yes, yeah, to they him. did do that, yeah. Whatever, yeah. Like, that visual and getting to see his eyes be, oh, like, that was, that was awesome. oh, my God, yeah, that, that was, was really awesome. awesome. Super but well it, it's the only, this is the only episode that really deliberately did that in that way that yeah. I noticed, Right. you know? Yeah. Same. Um, and I felt like the comic is rooted in the DC universe. Like it, it's, it, it is meant for readers of DC comics at the time, you know, mm -hmm. um, this one doesn't have that to lean on, but it still kind of jumps into in your face fantasy. Like it literally opens with like once upon a time, there was the dreaming, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like for me, yeah, that's not making the best use of the medium that's using you know writerly prosaic comic book worthy storytelling techniques to do something that you're doing on screen do you know what i mean mm -hmm. um the uh and i wish i wish they had served the medium a little more in this first episode it doesn't really bother me in subsequent episodes it's really just this first one um now the changes are freaking on point to me. Um, particularly the the Jessam Jessamy the Raven. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because mm -hmm. it that is doing like double duty in a big way. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh yeah. Um I thought about this as I was watching the episode. Um, because I think it sets us up for Matthew, obviously, who's gonna be introduced to the story relatively early. Um but it also sets us up to see that dream can be fucking petty. The <laughs> dream holds on yeah. to shit. Yeah. yeah. You oh, yeah. know, because so one, of the, one of the subsequent changes is wow. What? Well, one of the subsequent changes the is that Alex Burgess is going to let him out. Yeah. If mm -hmm. he agrees not to hurt him. And dream was like, I'm not making that promise. You may as well keep me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And why? And he straight up says, I mean, he, in, in his, you know, in his narrative voiceover, I think I'm petty. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, he straight yeah. up does that. But I think they have to do that because eventually in this story, and this is spoilery only if you've never read the comic or seen the show, you know, so eventually spoiler. we have to be reminded that this petty bitch is going to damn Nada to hell for millennia. Yeah. You know, basically because she wouldn't give him what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And he and because he was being petty. And so that that can't come out of the blue for a new audience. Do you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like it's gotta be. And I felt like like I thought I was like, holy shit, they're doing yeoman's work right now. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh like, yeah. That was some powerful, powerful shit. I think yeah. the way they change it, the way they make the Corinthian rooted to his imprisonment and the length mm -hmm. of his imprisonment and 
Like, I, I think it all re- that stuff really suits the medium and it, it really strengthens the show in a way that it wouldn't have necessarily done the comic. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, I, and then helping us to understand what what it is that Dream can create. The, you know, like sometimes in the comic, I think I felt like, you know, some of the characters, some of the creations of Dream were a little bit like flash in the pan, mm-hmm. right? And to it just feels like the Corinthian has more purpose and agency and motivation yeah. here. And I like that because it's it's the creation then is more than just this like uh, hologram kind of, uh, does that make the sense? The Corinthian, at least in the comic he straight up says at one point you were my greatest creation mm-hmm. you know and i think you're absolutely right claire that that should have some staying power that should be more than you know an element in a story arc as you know as he sort of is in the doll's house yeah um yes so i feel like this is the roughest episode of the season and i also feel like if this is the roughest episode of the season this is mm-hmm. going to be really fucking good. Like that's that's yeah. that's my yeah. takeaway. One hundred percent. And I, I don't. The, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Ahead, I just Claire. before we left, what Justin was talking about, I just wanted to second very strongly that through this whole, you know, as we're through this whole episode, as we're starting to see what adaptation, you know, changes and and approach they're going to take, I was feeling the expanse really heavily as well because i Uh think you you very much feel the fact that in both cases the creators of the story are heavily involved and Uh um having an impact on what sort how the story is being maneuvered for this absolutely and so and I have the third so expanse thoughts because I did the same thing and I was like because I was like okay we're not doing a literal page to page interpretation here we're gonna combine characters we're probably gonna lose some characters along the way we're gonna like yeah but it's all in service of just telling this version of the story for this medium mm-hmm. so yeah I trust that y'all know what you're doing mm-hmm. yep and I I give it up to that. I'll yep. say the only, so I only missed one thing because mm. I remember the very first time I read the comic a million years ago, um, <laughs> the concept of eternal waking, his punishment mm-hmm. for Alex. Oh my uh, God. was so terrifying to me. Like when I read it the first time yeah. Yeah. that it stuck with me. Like I didn't read the, I didn't read the comic again for like, yeah, a, however many years, but that imagery and that concept stuck Uh with me like it was like one of the first things I thought of when I thought about the comic was Uh this eternal waking and that was the only thing I I would have liked to see yeah but I wonder I wonder if they pulled back on that because they pulled back on Alex's sort of unpleasantness that's what well. i wonder because yeah. like, so they, they had to balance pulled, it out because yeah. alex was pretty shitty in the comic yeah in this he was just kind of like ah. and again this was more <laughs> evidence of like they're trying they want us to make emotional connections with yeah. all these characters yeah, yeah. So they yeah. wanted us to make this emotional connection with alex <clears throat> so yeah i was thinking the same thing that's probably yeah. why they pulled back on it also because yeah if he were to give that punishment that we were to see that punishment mm-hmm. 
then it would make us like dream less. Yes. Because yeah. they worked so hard to make Alex sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And, absolutely. And I, think... I get it, but I still missed it. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm 100% absolutely. with you. Of I course. Think... Yeah. They really have to work to make Dream a more likable character. Yeah. You know, if he's going to be the main character, like, he's he's pretty shitty, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, and, you know, and his whole arc is about becoming a better person, really, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And well. you can't really do that on television. You can't start off with somebody who's irredeemably shitty when yeah. you're already asking the audience to make so many leaps, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and it's a huge... Like, it's a giant undertaking because, as we said at the top of this, like, the Sandman doesn't shy away from the more terrible aspects of a person and humanity mm. and our desires and drives. It's kind of the whole point of the book, in a way. <laughs> and so, so much of the, so many of the characters that we meet throughout, you know, all of these issues are awful. <laughs> Which was one of my biggest concerns about, like, how are you going to bring some of this shit to TV, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, how are you going to bring the 24-hour episode to TV and not completely just drop a large percentage of people being like, (laughs) what the fuck was that, you know? So I completely agree with everything that you're saying. And this is a perfect time to transition over to my next point, because I think that we'll be able to sort of marinate in all of this for quite a while um and that is to say that we'll start off by saying that within the first few hours of its release the series rang in at 100 percent on rotten tomatoes um it has since settled at 86 percent, which is no mean feat considering <laughs> how quick everyone is to hate everything <laughs> right um and i absolutely like we've been talking about so many of the story elements and the merits of how they've adapted this story-wise and narrative-wise for TV. Um, But I actually think that the even larger contributor is the casting. Um, It was never gonna work if even one person was miscast. It's just not gonna happen. That's my humble opinion. Um, But the casting is so outstanding. And in this episode, every character I have come to love really came to life as the character. There was never a moment where I was like, look at that, it's Tom Sturridge acting like Dream, you know? (laughs) It really felt like I was looking at these characters that I know so well. Um, So I even wrote right here, Tom Sturridge is too perfect. I love um, (laughs) Vivienne Akim Ping, I'm pronouncing that so wrong, as Lucienne, so fantastic. Um, could Roderick Burgess have been played by anyone but Charles Dance? I don't think so. And then, of course, no. we have Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into that. Like, how did the casting of these characters strike you? Were you a total yes for, for all of them? We had to love all of these people pretty hard mm-hmm. at the outset for this to be a buy-in, right? So let's go. Let's talk about it. Who's first? I want to hear Bill. from Claire on. Oh, Claire. Um, because she she came in as a Tom Sturridge expert. That's right. <laughs> well, I don't know about expert, but yes, I well, have you seen you basically him in saw things. everything he was in. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's, yeah, I think this that's is the first thing the... I've seen him in. 
Yeah. And Is I think it? that's important. Yeah. I, even I, yeah. I saw across the universe. Oh yeah. I didn't. Yeah. But do you remember if he weren't being featured here now today, would you particularly remember him? I mean, I feel like he's no. been, he's been an ensemble or yeah. secondary character actor for a while. And he's been really yeah. strong in all of those things and had yeah. some really hefty roles, but he's not the main thing you're going to remember from anything that he's been in up until now. And I think honestly, not only did they get a really strong actor because he is really good. And yeah. the minute I heard his name, I'm like, oh yeah. And he's, his physicality, the way he can be very, he's a very quiet actor. Mm -hmm. he, he's not a like that. jumping around kind of guy, right? Like he's just very still in everything that yeah. I, think I've seen him in and um so yeah I was I was confident about all of that but also I think it's kind of important that you don't have like you know when they were thinking of doing the movie wasn't it like Joseph Gordon-Levitt they were Gordon thinking Levitt. of wow. he was yeah. attached just not for a, so long which is not yeah about I mean there's so many great actors who'd be great choices but I feel like in order to maintain the otherness of this uh -huh. character you, yeah it was good that they got someone who isn't immediately highly recognized by the audience or and he's certainly not tied to uh -huh. any he, like he's not he's so not glad pigeonholed it wasn't Joseph yet, right yeah yeah that would have been not great <laughs> yeah i well, I don't know who's to say, but yeah, we got this, it's, I mean, and it's perfect. I'm to say, <laughs> yeah, I am to say that it would be terrible. <laughs> wow, I'll go on the record gladly. I'm but I will say, say, please go watch him in Effie Gray. Effie Gray is not necessarily the most riveting movie on the whole, but oh my god, he's oh, <laughs> he's art. He plays Malay. Is that how you say? John it's John something Malay, the artist who's I oh. love his artwork, really great stuff, but it's just he's playing a long-haired artist, you know, in a period <laughs> drama, and he's the only nice male character in the entire thing. Oh much. no, not a long-haired artist. <laughs> <laughs> Claire Catnip. Oh <laughs> no, here comes another long-haired artist. <laughs> no. Anyway, fantastic. Yes. Good stuff. I just want to say that Dream as a character <laughs> is this really freaking like tough blend of drama queen and majestic god figure. Totally. And that's a tough line to walk. Mm -hmm. And I think it requires subtlety yep. and an ability, you know? And mm -hmm. I think I can't imagine anyone doing better with this than Tom Sturridge has done. I think he no. really, really, I have never seen him before. I don't watch these long haired hippie period pieces that Claire watches. Um, and so I, I was really, really impressed. I think he just knocked it out of the park. Like, yeah. and you know, I don't think I'm not going to go as far as Kelly Sue and say you have to get everything right with the casting, but you better you for damn sure better get this right. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, completely. And 
<laughs> like I I could not have been more impressed and pleased, you know. Totally. So, the only drawback I felt, and it's so small, is that I had always had this image of Dream being like ethereally tall. Like mm. way like I don't know why I've imagined him as being exceptionally tall because I don't have to imagine it because I'm looking at it when I'm reading the book. <laughs> but for some reason, I was like, oh, it's so funny how I expected him to be so much taller than everybody. Anyway. See, that's how I, I thought you'd really be taller. Slender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be taller. So, that's I how I perceived that, desire. I mean, they did a really good job of um, elongating mm-hmm. him. I was, no, I was re-watching yeah. the second episode this morning mm-hmm. before recording mm-hmm. and, and you were slowly um, taking in those scenes huh you were slowly just sort of taking in those scenes and indulging no in actually them. i sped watched it okay gotcha <laughs> because i had work to do but i wanted to get refreshed yeah, anyway yeah. um but i was just um thinking like about the like they are definitely like creating a longer version like mm-hmm I mean, credit the costume designers, like, and all of that for, like, creating this kind of look of him mm-hmm. where it's, like, this long coat, but it's, like, it fits so perfectly to him that it's, yeah. like, it creates this super long effect. Mm-hmm. So, yes. um, well, and you can, you accurate. can almost, like, I feel like I want them to be doing things like they do with Gandalf, right, in Lord of the Rings, where he is a certain stature but then when he's in his power when he's doing his things like you feel his him expand almost Mm -hmm. that was getting really close to being sexual but i that's not where i was going so (laughs) sorry well i also want to say this in my defense even though justin doesn't always have to agree with me (laughs) (laughs) with on casting Right. But I, I so often do agree with you, though. That's true. That's because you're it's not watching, more than watching just... long-haired period pieces like some of us, I guess. It's more than just, does this person look like this character? Do they look yeah. like they could be this character? So oh, much of sure. it is like, can they bring this energy? Because I know when we when there have been adaptations in the past and someone is cast in a role and they're just not a fit, it's so distracting. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, haven't, he... I didn't feel that at all in this first episode mm. and actually have not felt it since nine. Yeah, certainly came. I did mm-hmm. not feel any dissonance in the casting whatsoever. Like everyone well, they're, was great. They're everyone a, I thought just nailed it. They're yeah. in a pretty good spot where the material is so universally loved that mm. in casting, they can be like, hey, why don't we go after this person? Totally. Hey, would you like to be in the sand? Yes. Yes, I would. And like their first choices, their first choices are all going to say yes, unless there's some scheduling Mm -hmm. difficulty. So, I mean, so they're in a really good place where they can get exactly who they want to kind of fit the bill. Uh, Interestingly, though, for I I don't know how many roles where they had a first choice, because Mm -hmm. for a lot of them, I know they were just like, let's just see a bunch of people and see who really fits this role. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, things like that, for sure. But I mean, like, you know, you're casting for, you know, you want Patton Oswalt for The Crow. Hey, Patton, you want to? Yes, I would like to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In people mm-hmm. that they definitely wanted for certain roles, most likely, I'm sure they, yeah, or, I don't or think they whoever they big, wanted, a big whether, search. whether they were mm-hmm. casting a bunch of people or not, I'm sure whoever they wanted 
was not going to yeah. not do it. I'm sure you you're know? right. I'm sure yeah. whenever yeah. they were like, yes, we want to offer it to this person yeah. that they were able to do that. First choices. And I, uh, it's uh, Vivian yeah. uh, Akiampong. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She was like, everybody felt like sculpted to be their character. Like uh, the physical mm -hmm. acting in the show mm -hmm. is really wonderful. And that they're paying that close attention to it. Um, you know, obviously dream Tom Sturridge, his physicality in this first episode is uh, like pretty yeah. brilliant. But I mean, all the other characters too, that we meet, uh, I, I'm quite blown away by how they have composed themselves as the characters. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been nice. Very agreed. So, yeah. Um, Well, that's a natural end to this section. So I'm going to carry us over to the break. Um, stay close by though, because you don't want to miss these hot takes. If you like this conversation, know that in September, our next that episode was, we'll be tackling Amazon's The Rings of Power series, followed by our deep dive into David Lynch and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks podcast series, That Gum You Like, which is the title that I came up with, by the way, thank you very much, and possibly releasing more pop-ups. So for all those updates and all things Popsicle, follow us at PopsiclePod on all social medias and join our mailing list at our website, popsiclepod.com for all the latest news and announcements. That's PopsiclePod, P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D for dreaming. Okay, I have a couple hot takes and then I'll let you guys do your hot takes too. So my first hot take is I loved the sweeping shot at the beginning of this episode with Jessamy the Raven flying through the dreaming and letting us see so many things we remember from the comics, like the establishing shots of the palace, the library, Merv, <laughs> Heart and Ten Bones. <laughs> I thought it was really Wonderful. cool to see Martin Tenver, yeah. Ten Bones yeah. that quick. Yeah. Yeah. That was so epic. I was, instantly I was like this. Y'all know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, same, like when they showed Martin Ten Bones, I was like, oh God, because I was already like, oh Merv, oh the library. And oh, then yeah. when Martin Ten Bones showed up, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel exactly the same as when he was just a drawing. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Totally. Um, and then my next hot take actually doesn't have anything to do with the episode necessarily, but it is my favorite quote from a review that I read. It says, so much of Sandman is about people metaphorically tripping over their own dicks. And this episode sets that up perfectly. <laughs> Oh, oh damn that is the hot take to end all the hot takes that's so perfect <laughs> i was like oh my god you just summed up metaphorically <laughs> tripping over their own dicks oh my god it was like that's all you need to describe what the breadth of the sandman is about <laughs> 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 um that comes to us of course from what's his ass who reviews for vulture <laughs> what's his ass 
Oh, I can't ever. I don't ever remember the name. Hold on. I'll find the it. dick quote is from what's his ass on Vulture. Uh. <laughs> oh, goodness. So there you go. Okay. Well, I'm going to share, if you don't mind, the mutual hot take in my family as I was watching with my husband and Ooh. my very soon to be 16 year old son. <sighs> uh, when we were done watching, and this is all to say that, like, visually, the like impact of seeing the gate into the dreaming and the opening and the scale that they the sense of scale that they achieved for the dreaming was very impactful um mm. very much for our son but in our house we don't do we don't watch anything without having a super fight uh discussion about who would be stronger than who like we <laughs> constantly like would obi-wan defeat uh ang from the last airbender and you know these kinds of things and we're uh -huh. the thorn family is firmly in the camp of if you put dream up against sauron oh dream dream's gonna win because Dream can open his own fucking gates. Sauron needed cave trolls, right? To like laboriously open the, his own gates to his own, you know, place. Charlatan. Just yeah. on that alone, I'm, we're giving it to Dream. But Great. there you go. Yeah. Uh, but it's so funny of, you bring this up, Claire, because I was yeah. just talking to Lisa about how much I miss Celebrity Deathmatch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why. Yes. Needs These to are important back. conversations <laughs> to back. have. But but all of that to say that the scope and feel of the world, like that's one of the biggest characters in the show to me is the landscape of the dreaming and how mm -hmm. how we move around and what we see and wow. I don't know how much money they're putting into it, but it was well friggin' spent. Totally. And I will backtrack and correct myself. The reviewer is Bethy Squires. So big shout out to you, Very nice. my yeah. dear friend, for that. Yes. Yes. Uh, one, quick, right. one quick hot take. Hot take. Uh, Let's go, Phil. I liked how they broke the circle in this episode, that it was done on purpose, as opposed mm -hmm. to being accidental, and that it was character motivated. Mm -hmm. That really, little changes like that, I think, are absolutely yeah. wonderful. So. Agreed. I also one. liked the kind of like I liked the breaking circle moment mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and the kind of like that yeah I got I got you I got you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally I got you <laughs> says so much about Simon Simon's his name right Simon or is that right anyway it says so much about that character with one little action totally yeah, yeah. Justin hot takes um so. I mean, she's mentioned it before, but like, I could not not think of Claire when the security guard was reading Stephen King. Could not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I thought, who would win, Claire or Sauron? And I thought, <laughs> you know, Claire has Claire. a 16 year old, which outdoes cave trolls. Um, 100%. 100%. Um, hot take. I just realized I don't think I've ever seen Charles dance in anything that wasn't for nerds. You know, he was no. the Golden Child, which is a supernatural action film. He was in Alien Three. He was in Game of Thrones, and now this. And mm -hmm. those are pretty much the only things I've ever seen him in. Mm -hmm. They're all just big things, so he like kind of looms large. 
but yeah. he is one of those like he is a genre guy, you know. Oh yeah, and I kind of dig well. That. Yeah, and um, you can see why because he friggin' nails it. He owns it, and he owns it. This is going to sound like I'm disagreeing with Claire, but I am not. I'm simply saying I wish it had been structured differently. Ooh. I would have preferred for this first episode to have not shown us the dreaming yet. I would have preferred to it have been kind huh. of like I felt like starting with a much more like, you know, we're not we don't need to give you all of the mystery up front like they did in the in the comic. You know, mm-hmm. we know he's the god of dreams, but we don't know what that means. We don't know what that looks like yet. There's a lot of mystery. Around, and I felt like that was good for newbies coming to the story. Mm. You know, and that, and that's kind of how I'm thinking about this. Like, how does this story work for someone who's never read the comic, you know? Yeah. And as a, look, as someone who's read the comic, I was like, I was like, oh, nerdgasm, nerdgasm, nerdgasm. <laughs> I but mm-hmm. I kind of would have, I felt like those images of the dreaming would have been better served in the next episode, which is about the dream. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is sort of, this episode but sort of had like this they... sort of like Green Lantern-y, let us tell you about things, you know, because we don't trust you to get it, you know? Well, and, and it's like, it's, I don't think that the opening was like, I mean, they used it because at the tail end, he comes back to see his destroyed kingdom. Right, which I also And it sets him on his quest for like the rest of the arc, which is mm-hmm. to get his tools back so he can repair the, the dreaming. dreaming. He can get it back to what it was. So it's it gives us a sense of what he's striving for exactly by mm-hmm. showing us the kind of lush, fully yeah. operational version. Yeah. I, I think a big part of it is I'm sort of thinking it in a episodic way and less of a serial less of a all the episodes drop at once way mm-hmm. you know like because yeah. i think about people watching that pilot and then sitting with that and considering yeah. it as opposed to well what's interesting about that i know two people watching the show who are totally unfamiliar with the comics completely like brand new mm. and i feel like they're having the experience that i had when i was reading the comic except they're having it watching the show where they're mm. like I can't binge this. Mm-hmm. I, I have to watch too. an episode and then really be like, I'm so affected and I need a minute before I can move on, you know, especially the folks that are like a couple episodes in. Um, and I think that that is a, it's striking me as a really interesting difference between how big fans of the comic book are consuming this show versus people actually, who are unfamiliar with it. Totally. I like hearing that actually, that, that yeah. makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to a place where I'm starting to believe that weekly release is a part and television, a part and parcel of television. 100%. Yep. That Netflix is Kelly Sue wrong. and I were just yes, talking about we were this just on Friday. talking about we were it. Like, can we go back to week to weekly releases because yeah. mm-hmm. that yeah. you have time then to just like chew mm-hmm. on each part of it and yeah. think about what could happen next and like really yeah. like like it's in you and it can spend you can spend yeah. a lot of time with it mm-hmm. and it fires you up because whenever i binge something i completely forget it uh, yeah. Like, yeah i want the Over. best of both no. worlds right like the, what they should realize now is that okay we need to have a week-to-week release but then it's always out there to go back and binge whenever you want exactly. because right a totally re- a binging for a rewatch gives you an entirely different experience mm-hmm. because you're consuming all of it all at once and yeah. it's the front part is really fresh for you as you're moving through the story yeah, i will also I accept 
the two or three episode drop at the, at first, at the outset. Yeah. At like the you outset. start with the first two or three episodes and you can binge yeah. those, but then mm-hmm. we go week to week. That's a hundred percent. I love that. That I can get on board. See, well, that, and, and I agree with that. Too. I was thinking about that yeah. because I think sometimes your pilot, you want to give the, the viewer the, the entire first act of your season, the first act of yeah. your story. And the yeah. pilot was not necessarily going to contain all that, you know? Yeah. Totally. Even like agreed. do do like two or three oh, episode yeah. drops so that you if you're if you're doing the kind of story that has those like you know um story arcs can, you know within the larger story arc be smart about it you know f- totally drop it the way an artist would you know drop an album these days in terms of like okay I want all of this to go together or not go together um, well, um even beyonce started with break my soul before she came out with the rest of renaissance there you go didn't all she come out at once i yeah. just want to say um, that i would i am now waiting for lisa k weber's album that's really good <laughs> she lisa. said the artist like i was i first thought of lisa and then i was like oh so lisa <laughs> you better get in the studio that's I, all I gotta I, say I, all right I just, y'all we are over time on this episode oh, goodness. so we have, I don't have to time move to on disagree to... with justin so oh, I just, oh you have plenty more that time. i we got a whole yeah. other episode so much more time but, yeah totally all the time all right so we're gonna do our that episode was before we move on to a recommendation from claire where you can be very argumentative good okay. um okay argumentative so, recommendations phil that episode was uh pensive Ooh, good word. Yeah. Justin? Much. Too much? Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Lisa, that episode was. Um, I'm going to borrow this word from someone I know who watched it without having read the book. And their word, which I thought was very good, was advanced. <laughs> Beautiful. And Claire, <laughs> that episode was. That episode was captivating. Mm. See what I did there? Because he was. I thought that captive. episode was dreamy. Oh. <laughs> da, da, da. All right, let's quickly move on to your recommendation, Claire. Before everybody yes. calls me dumb. The first thing I'm. <laughs> the first thing I'm going to recommend is that our audience go back. If you haven't been with us for very long, uh, we highly recommend that you go back and listen to our entire series in which we nice. read the Sandman and discussed it. Um, for me, that experience means that um, even though I just read the Sandman in the last you know, year or two, I felt like, it felt like I had been waiting decades for this the the, the screen right like and I think that's in large part uh due to having a reading experience that was also like that slow chewing Mm -hmm. kind of um uh yes approach and also discussing it with other people if there's any story in the world that is lends itself to you know a needing to discuss it and talk about it and pick it apart and and Mm -hmm. do it um and so if you don't have people in your life that will do that with you immediately then please go to the fanbase press fanbasepress.com and Mm -hmm. hunt for our series dream journal in the podcast sections because we will take you through We, we will let you join us yeah, um, it's really good. Definitely check that out. Yeah. And 
oddly enough, we we didn't. In, well, no, I've got one more just because. <sighs> oh. We didn't end up this talking. We're in- talking about. Here. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, me. Like, I'm sorry. It's true. <laughs> we didn't end up talking enough about Boyd Holbrook in his performance yet. I'm sure we will. Uh, mm-hmm. But in the interim, I am going to recommend the TV yes. series Narcos, yeah. which starred Boyd Holbrook um, as a DEA agent and also has Pedro Pascal in it. And just like, uh, this is another show that is just like pitch perfect casting. It's a no brainer. All around. So, so good. Um, mm-hmm. Go watch Narcos. Beautiful. Thank you for those recommendations, Claire. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. That brings us to the end. And, um, you know, I'm not going to belabor it. We're going to be doing this 10 more times. Excuse me, nine more times. <laughs> Unless there is a fabled 11th episode that's going to drop out of heaven. Um, but until next episode, sweet dreams. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.